0: I lived out west for a couple of years, and there were people who I spoke with who had never been east of Saskatchewan. And they had heard about something called the 401. It was this highway. And all they knew about the 401 was that it was horrible. And this is going back 20 years now, I'm starting to feel really old. And they would say, Oh, I would never drive on the 401. That is just Carnage Alley. We hear nothing good about the 401. Who wants to be on a roadway where there's traffic and construction and congestion and all kinds of threats to your safety, all of the trucks that drive on there? They had nothing good to say about it. And this was more than one person. Yet they had never driven it. And being an Ontarian, I used to kind of laugh it off, saying... It's the 401. You know, you, you just use it. It's there. You just get on it. Well, what about the danger? I don't know. You just, you kind of just drive on it and you are as safe as you can be. But, you know, it's not like, it's not like you're driving on it and there are explosions and pterodactyls and big manholes opening up. And it, it's not, nothing like that happens. You're, you're thinking of it as a movie theme. You know what? 20 years later, I think I'm done with it. I am done with the 401. And it's not from any particular instance. It's just the difficulty in getting from one place to another on the 401 just makes it too much of a headache. And I haven't even used it to take a big trip. This is starting to talk with other people who have. We had friends who just came back from around the Ottawa area, and it took them 12 hours. A trip from Ottawa to London, at most, should take you seven. That's it. Seven hours. This is five extra hours, and they just shook their heads. And you can say what you want to, well, you need to go 407. Yeah, okay, and they need to pay the 407 bill, and it's starting to become cost prohibitive to take the 407. But the amount of slowing down and stopping that you have to do, the 412 has created nothing good east of Oshawa. And the idea that this is just a place where trucks pass each other slowly and everything is tied up and everything is more dangerous than it needs to be. Drivers are zooming all over the place. Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe that's all this is. Maybe I'm just getting old. But I'm done with the 401. Here's why I bring this up, though. I bring it up for a completely different reason. I have two parents who are still in good health. My dad has MS, but he takes care of himself as best as he can. They are going to drive to visit us. And they, in their 70s, are going to use the 401. So my wife and I called last night and said, you know... There's got to be a better way. Because we keep hearing from friends that it's just, it's a mess. It takes forever. It's not worth the headache. You guys are in your 70s. No, there's got to be a better way. Why don't you look into traveling on Via? We'll split the cost with you. Whatever it takes. Just so that we know that, that you're nice and safe and you don't have to deal with as long as 12 hours of driving from the Ottawa area to London, Ontario. And so... My parents said sure, and they started looking into things. And I know that it's kind of a week out, but they're looking as much as two weeks out. They, they're pretty flexible. And the cheapest ticket they could find to fit in when they want to come is over $500. And that was with their discounts. There was another one that was over $600 for the two of them to take via. Does that not sound Excessive. I know I rail on, and I mean that entirely, I rail on about the price of train travel in Canada. I think it's a joke. I think it's brutal. I've talked with people from Via before, and they've explained why it is and that it's luxury travel. Give me a break. Give me a chicken and a goat. Put me on a train, and with that chicken and goat, if I'm paying way less than what they're charging, I'm in. I don't care. I want to get from place to place. If I want luxury, I'll fly. If I want luxury, I'll fly first class. I've never done that, but that's what I would do. That's not what I'm about. Get me from place to place. There should be some kind of alternative because right now I'm looking at trying to, you know, and maybe I'm being the worrier that's now into the sandwich generation that is looking not just at their own kids, but looking at their parents and saying, okay, well, we got to keep you guys as safe as possible. Maybe that's what it is, but yeah, okay, I'm in that. I want them to be safe driving. I don't find the 401 safe for me. So here's the other alternative. And the other alternative just doesn't make financial sense. I mean, I went from checking out some some train prices. They were doing the same things. We've been kind of comparing and texting throughout the morning. And I happened to decide, okay, well, what, what if they were to fly? I can find a ticket to fly from Ottawa to London and back for basically, you know, 659, 559. I mean, it's it's not that much more when you add it up. And that to me again is insane. We've got to find a way to have some kind of intermediate travel. And in my mind it should come on the tracks. It should be like Europe. There should be something you can do to take a cheap train. And right now we don't have that. And I don't know why that is. Because I don't see the 401 getting any safer. Truck traffic is what it is. And I admire you if you are a truck driver and you have to do that on a daily basis. Because that's got to be a headache and a nightmare all wrapped into one on a daily basis. But to think that you can't find an intermediate Travel. These guys, my parents, are in their 70s so they get seniors discounts. They're members of whatever club you've got to be so that you can get discounts. And this is the best you can do? Five, six hundred bucks? Return? Give me a break. You know, that's, that's not right. That's thievery. That's brutal. And that needs to be looked into. We're going to take a quick break on London Live. Thanks to Jess Brady for all of her work last week in this time slot. We've got a lot to get to today. Mark Hunter, General Manager of the London Knights, will join us in less than an hour. We're going to talk about how to keep a strip club out of your plaza and the extent that one individual in the City of London has gone to. We're going to find out what green roofs are. And we're also going to talk about human trafficking. We're going to do that in about 20 minutes. But up next... I want to get into this sandwich generation and some of the things that you actually have to do, some of the things that you have to go through, and the experience of one person who is going through it in a great extent right now. We're going to do that next on London Live. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Okay, I'm getting a reaction on this, and the reaction is the same as kind of the word-of-mouth reaction that I've been hearing for a while. If you missed the start of the show today, I got talking about the 401, because I'm, I'm not using the 401 much. I used the 401 last week. I was on vacation, and my son and I drove down the, the 402, 402, but didn't use the 401. And the more that I hear about any long trips on the 401, if you have to get on the 401 and then get off at Highway 19, okay, that. Might not be a big deal if you live in Burford, if you live, you know, in Strathroy and you've got to pull on 401 and then catch the 402. Maybe that's a little bit better. Maybe that's okay. But I'm talking long trips. The number of headaches you run into, the danger that seems to be out there. I mean, take this for example. Cheddar tweeted, 401 is crazy. Closed weekly from London to Iona, it feels like. There's a construction area that caused me to give up. I take all back roads now. I travel the highway every day, and it has gotten worse. Yeah, like, what do we do about this? Back roads are not faster, but you start to weigh the advantages to back roads. Yeah, you know what? It's going to take me two and a half hours to get to Toronto instead of an hour 50, but you can't map it out that way anymore. That hour 50 on the 401, that's not an hour 50. That's an hour 50 with a slowdown at Woodstock, with a slowdown at Cambridge, with a slowdown at Milton, and then, again, dealing with the regular traffic that's out there, and there is truck traffic. You can't look at the traffic and say, well, if only they'd get the trucks off. Okay, then we don't eat. Then we don't get to purchase any goods, because shelves would be bare. You can't get the trucks off the 401. The trucks need the 401. Also got something from Rob, and Rob says he takes frequent trips to Toronto and has stopped taking the 401 in. If someone is to ask you how to get to the 401 from London, what do they say? Well, or sorry, get to Toronto from London. Well, you get on the 401 and you drive until you hit Toronto. That's the way you do it. He says, I've stopped taking the 401 in. Much quicker to take the 403 QEW Gardner, even when he's leaving at 4.30 in the morning. He says, coming home, I navigate the 427, and then 401 collectors to the 410, take the 407 back down to the 401. He says, I bought a transponder. That saves a ton of money. He says, one thing I don't understand. Unless there is an accident or construction, why are cars stopping on the highway? I don't buy the volume crap. If all cars are going 100 kilometers an hour, there should be no issue. And Rob is exactly right. Email mike at 980cfpl.ca if you have any thoughts we'll open up the phones maybe a little later on this because the reason I got into this is cuz my parents were planning on taking the 401 and they were going to drive from the Ottawa area where they live to visit us on the weekend and finally my wife and I after a bunch of discussions with a lot of people said why are why are we letting your parents drive that's what my wife said and i said i I don't know. It's, it doesn't sound good. 12 hours, 10 hours, delay here, accident there, all of this mess. So we looked into taking the train for them, and the cost is, is more than it should be. But I don't even want to get into that right now, because the reason we were doing this is just looking out, being in that sandwich generation, looking out for parents at the same time you're looking out for your own kids. And this is something that a lot of people find themselves in right now. And it is something that becomes a big challenge. And sometimes it gets to be a whole lot more than this teeny-weeny issue that I have in my life where it's trying to find good transportation for two individuals to go from one city to another. Sometimes it gets to be a whole lot more of a job. Where you work your 9 to 5, your 40 hours a week, but then you are caring for parents or maybe other loved ones. Joining us right now to talk a little bit about that sandwich generation component of life is Doris Carbone. Doris, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time.
1: No problem, Mike. No problem.
0: Doris, let's talk a little bit about what your day-to-day life is like, living in what everybody kind of affectionately terms as a sandwich generation, but that makes it sound like a picnic, when sometimes it really isn't.
1: Um, No, it's, it's, it's trying, let me tell you. There's days that you kind of brush it off your shoulders, and this is the way life is. It's a big circle. We take care of our kids, and then now... Like you said, we're in the sandwich generation, now we take care of our parents, and we still have to worry about our children. Um, I'm living with mom and dad right now, they're in their late, mid-80s, mom's suffering from Alzheimer's, and dad is tired. Um, He's tired, so we're trying our best to motivate them and keep them living in their home and function as best as they possibly can.
0: And in, in doing that, what is that involving?
1: It's involving making their dinners, uh, making their breakfast, lunch, and dinners. Um, otherwise, I don't think, Mike, that they would actually have a very substantial meal, tell you the truth, because a sandwich for them, an apple, is, is sufficient. But you need to have, obviously, all the food groups to make sure that they get nutrition as they age. Um, they just don't have it in them anymore. They like to sit, they like to watch their T V but it's us in helping them get up, moving around, even if it's just fifteen, twenty minutes getting them going and being there for them and showing them that it's okay to be tired, but we also need to get them going and age is a factor, yes I understand. And with age comes a lot of ailment. But um, you can see them changing them when we have them doing something. It it lightens them up and makes them feel so much better.
0: We're talking with Doris Carbone about something that a lot of people are facing right now. The fact that, yes, your kids are now self-sufficient, but your parents are in need of assistance, sometimes in need of care. Doris is the mother of uh, producer Jacqueline Carbone from Global News Radio 980 CFPL. And Doris, maybe you could outline how you came to the realization, or, or does this happen slowly over, over a period of time where you just find yourself maybe needing to help out a little bit more, a little bit more?
1: Um, it probably started off... Uh, like. We know obviously they're getting older and they need the care because a lot of their a lot of my aunts and uncles have passed, and at least my mom and dad, with um, not a lot of family per se, like older family. And they have us and they have you know, my sister, which is around as well. And we try to take care of them as much as we can. But probably within the last year or so, Mike, my dad um, was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And he was hospitalized. And then we realized, like, mom cannot be by herself. So between me and my sister, we took turns taking care of her and realizing that dad needs someone there um, to make sure he he can function, make sure he's getting the exercise he needs, because otherwise he, he's afraid. He's afraid he's going to fall. He's afraid something's going to happen. And so it was applied within the last year or so that we saw the decline in him and no it doesn't happen overnight you just think your parents are invincible and they're going to be around forever and that's what we come into the into a play and help them as much as we possibly can
0: and that's a great point because yeah you you go from a point where your parents are your protectors and then you have to come to that acceptance that that's not the case anymore how difficult is it to to deal with even that realization
1: it's a circle of life, Mike. You kind of I take a, a better approach on things. It's a circle of life. We're all here. We're all. I know it's kind of morbid to say we're all going to die eventually, mm-hmm. but we try to make every day as best as we possibly can. Some days are tough. Some days are really good. I'm very fortunate that they're still around and they're here. They're here, and we try to love them and protect them and. Have them enjoy life as best as we can. Do we get into battle sometimes? For sure. But I just shake it off and it's like, it is what it is. Let's carry on to the next day. You know, they took care of us. It's my turn now to take care of them.
0: That's a great point and a great mm-hmm. outlook. Now, in yeah. terms of planning for the future, is that something you have started to do, have started to talk with them about it all?
1: Well, we have. We have like we have PSWs coming in and, and taking care of mom. We have, we're not actually looking into homes that, present time Um, if I could keep them at home in their own house we're going to try to do that as best as we can Um, we are we are looking possibly down the road into homes but I don't really want that to happen I would like to take care of my parents as long as I can and if I can get someone to come in and help I'll do that
0: how does this affect you from a, a financial standpoint, if, if I can ask that? Is that something that, that you do find has an impact?
1: Um, no, no, I don't really think of it as an impact financially. I don't even worry about that financially. We do what we have to do. I don't look at it as a burden. I look at it as if we can get the help from the government with the PSWs that come in and help with mom every now and then, that's great. Meals, we eat together. We're a family. We, we We're there to help each other. Um, and then when there's days that you just I don't I, I don't I can't handle it anymore. You just go for a quick walk. You come back and you carry on. It yeah. is what it
0: is. And you, yeah. and you do make that adjustment. Do you find that you get enough of a time for yourself, or or is this basically you know you go from doing what you do on a daily mm-hmm. basis, and then what would have been maybe free time for a little period of your life isn't anymore. Um.
1: You know, I have. I also have a husband that's not well. Uh, well either so i have my parents i have my husband and um i have a lot of friends i have friends i can get out with and i have great kids that if i need to to talk to them they're around and yeah i just go for quick walks and do my own thing and then come back um yeah i don't think of it as being a burden per se it's it is what it is i don't It is. Yeah. I don't know, Mike. I don't know. Yeah, No,
0: that that says it. I mean, you've got a fantastic outlook in a a situation that can have a lot more challenges than than maybe, you know, people might want to think. And it's great to know that, you know, you accept that that circle of life. That's the line that we all kind of have to come to terms with at some point. Doris, thanks so much for taking some time to describe something that a lot of people are going through or a lot of people will be going through. We really appreciate it.
1: For sure. No problem, Mike. No problem at all. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.
0: That is Doris Carbone, who right now is in a situation where, yeah, she does have to devote a lot of time to taking care of her own parents and and you move through that in life and if you don't have that attitude of circle of life or hey they looked out for me i'm going to do what it takes to look out for them all of a sudden this becomes a very difficult situation to be in and doris is somebody who you you can i don't doris one day you'll be able to write a book uh but that book may be very helpful for a lot of people who are entering that particular facet of life we're going to take a break We'll have news next, and then I want to get into indirectly the Jeffrey Epstein story. We're not going to sit here and talk about the case itself. I'll outline the Jeffrey Epstein story, but this can be localized to a great degree because it gets people once again talking about sex trafficking and human trafficking. And I'm wondering, does all of The news coverage of human trafficking and sex trafficking, does that have an impact on the fight against human trafficking and sex trafficking? That's something we're going to explore in about 10 minutes. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. All right, a couple things before we close off. Driving on the 401 And the cost of Via Rail. Boy, we've been into a lot of things already today. Uh, Let me see here. Elias says, Via isn't necessarily faster. says, In the summer, the service slows down due to heat slows. Train slows to 50 kilometers an hour or less. Sometimes Via is slower than the 401. Okay. Well, that I didn't even realize. That's a thing? I guess I can understand it. You're looking again at, Safety. And Sean says, we we need a new segment on London Live. Things that grind my gears. I'm in. I mean, if anything ever grinds your gears, email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. We'll turn it into a segment. And Sean says, your suggestion about rail travels is spot on. 401 is madness. It is an area the government should look into instead of spending so much on spacecraft on the roads like subsidizing electric vehicles. I'm not buying a $60,000 electric Tesla when I can buy a Corolla with much better costs. So, yeah, we're not going to be able to develop a new highway system that is anything better than what we've got. I mean... We had the 407 when it was created. It was going to be this nice little bypass. And then next thing you know, the provincial government is selling it off. And I'm not sure what it costs these days, but it seems to me when I took it both ways last summer, my bill was like 75 bucks, right? Does that sound about right? So that's that's for both ways, getting on essentially at Brampton and getting off at the end and then just kind of going down. I think you can join it off somewhere between Whitby and, and Oshawa, right? Somewhere at uh, Pickering, somewhere around there. So there's there's got to be a solution. It's not an easy solution. We still get talk about high-speed rail every once in a while. But again, it comes down to cost. And We've talked on the show before. If you are going to head into Toronto, what's one of the best ways to do it? Find yourself a go-train stop. Aldershot burlington you name it i don't know all the fancy names i don't take them enough but go park there and then take the train into the city now that's where trains in my mind do work out but we're talking go trains and from here you still have to drive to them but that's just because parking is so exorbitant in toronto it's not worth paying the parking and then if you're staying overnight the overnight costs and then you know and then and then You know, the transportation costs of getting there and gas. Might as well just go and take the GO train in. You're actually going to save yourself some bucks on most occasions. So, All right. We'll get into more transportation discussions, I'm sure, in the future. But I do want to move on to the Jeffrey Epstein story, which is splashed absolutely everywhere. You may know the Jeffrey Epstein story well. You may not. Jeffrey Epstein was a financier who claimed he was a billionaire. Forbes magazine said, you know, he's probably not a billionaire. He used to be a high school math teacher. And then he was charged with one count of conspiracy to commit sex trafficking. He was also charged with uh, one count of sex trafficking of minor. And in prison, because he ended up going to prison after he pleaded guilty, to and let me see what did he what did he actually plead guilty to i want to get the charge right but pleaded guilty to a felony charge of solicitation of prostitution involving a minor he was given 18 months in prison uh ended up back in prison and committed suicide on the weekend. He was on suicide watch, was taken off suicide watch. No one can really explain that. What this has done is it, it brings up, because this conspiracy thing is a big part of this story. The charges against Jeffrey Epstein will be dropped because he is now deceased. But the conspiracy investigation is going to continue. And this brings, again, human trafficking, sex trafficking into the news. And we see all kinds of cases. We hear all kinds of cases that are too close to home. We know that there is human trafficking going on in London. We just know this to be a fact. There is proof. So in cases like this, when you've got a story that brings attention to something, in the case of human trafficking, in the case of sex trafficking, is that actually helping in the fight against these two things? We're going to ask our next guest that very question as London Live continues in a moment because we're going to be joined by Barbara Goss, the CEO of the Canadian Centre to end human trafficking. London Live continues in a moment. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Human trafficking and sex trafficking, they ruin lives. And they exist in amongst our lives. You've got sex traffickers, human traffickers everywhere. And I'm not trying to be an alarmist. Look around at the stats. These are things you've got to have conversations with young people about. And with the Jeffrey Epstein story, I mean, this is not gangs of people who are, you know, hidden in the darkest crevices of our world. That's not what this is. Sometimes it can be people who are prominent, front and center, friends of U.S. President Donald Trump. Donald Trump once called Jeffrey Epstein a terrific guy, a lot of fun to be with. And then this is 2002 that U.S. President Donald Trump had said this, but it doesn't sound very good right now. It is even said that he, meaning Jeffrey Epstein, likes beautiful women as much as I do. Many of them are on the younger side interesting quote but jeffrey epstein committed suicide over the weekend he had again pleaded guilty to a felony charge of solicitation of prostitution involving a minor because there is a conspiracy element to this because other people knew other people were involved in this situation in the trafficking that is alleged to have been going on or was going on depending on what angle you look at this you have The continuation of an investigation so that's not going to stop but this story again has brought front and center human trafficking and sex trafficking so joining us right now to talk about that is barb goss ceo of the canadian center to end human trafficking barb it is great to have you with us thank you for joining us today
2: great okay
0: thanks again uh, okay, we can get going in three, two, one. Barb, thanks so much for joining us today to talk about this.
2: Oh, I appreciate your interest in this very important topic.
0: We hear more and more stories. I mean, you take a look, and the Jeffrey Epstein story has brought human trafficking back into the news. Is is this a case where the amount of coverage, the number of stories that we hear, is it in any way helpful in the fight against human trafficking?
2: I I think the coverage is very helpful. I I do think it assists to educate the public in many respects about what human trafficking is and how victims um, and individuals and actually minors as well, um, young people, fall victim um, to the crime of human trafficking. But there is a lot of sensationalizing that goes on um, in some reporting on human trafficking. So I think while it is very helpful to educate the public on incidents, and and that's a very high-profile crime, of course, in the United States, um, I think people should understand that it's not just related to um, High-profile individuals. This is something that's happening in our communities right across this country,
0: and that's something that we we keep hearing. And you would think, yeah, but nah, It could never happen to someone I know, or I would recognize it if it was happening. If if we're to look at, I guess mainly young women, but I'm I'm sure it extends beyond that. And how. Someone may become a a victim of human trafficking. Is this a situation where they're groomed into it? Are we looking at someone grabbing them and and kidnapping them? How does it happen?
2: Well, from what we have heard from, and and the Canadian Center to End Human Trafficking is a national... Um, agency that a national charity who works particularly in this area and we we really um, pride ourselves in having direct relationships with victims and survivors and also law enforcement and frontline service providers who are assisting victims and survivors of human trafficking right across the country so we know from those relationships that individuals who are vulnerable and and I'm talking about girls and boys and also adults And and males as well as females, we now know that males are being um, trafficked and also sexually exploited because they are calling into hotlines. So we know that this is happening to boys as well as girls. But vulnerabilities um, are prevalent in in all our communities. Young people are very susceptible to anyone who pitches them their dream, anyone who wants to include them. And, you know, as teenagers, there's a lot of emotional up and downs, and they can feel very vulnerable at times. Traffickers know this, and they will prey on those vulnerabilities. And, you know, many young people are desperate to believe that what they're being pitched, um, those stories, those promises – um, are true. And in many cases, they are not. And if anyone believes that those situations, those promises of a better life, those promises of, you know, being the amazing boyfriend are too good to be true, they probably are. And teenage girls and women and boys, um, in many cases, are are lured and coerced into these situations. And they believe that these people are there to assist them, are there to shower them with praise and gifts and really love them. And in a very short period of time, the tables are turned. And in many cases, they're, they are told that they need to pay off debts, debts for the presents that they were given by traffickers, debts for the drugs that they were given by traffickers, And they will turn the tables within a very short period of time and can force them into the sex industry um, or into providing sexual services in other ways as well.
0: Yeah, and that's, again, we're talking right now with Barb Goss, who is the CEO of the Canadian Centre to End Human Trafficking, but that's the kind of stuff that people would hear and think... No, no, no. No, that that would, that would never happen. There is no way. I would smell that coming and I would be able to avoid it or I would see that my daughter or even my son was involved in that and I would be able to step in and it doesn't sound like that's always the case.
2: No, absolutely not. We know many of us who have children or who have nieces and nephews or we have young neighbors, we know that we cannot in this day and age monitor social media 100% of the time. We, We cannot monitor what our kids are doing out there. Many parents are very busy. They're very busy working. They're busy doing other things. Or quite frankly, we trust our kids. And we we don't want to believe that these predators are lurking around the corners or lurking on social media and can lure and groom unknowing individuals, innocent individuals, who are naive and, and want to believe that these stories are truthful. Um, they lure them very easily, and they know the script. They know what they're looking for. They they are predators. They know the prey they are looking for. So it is it is really concerning, and I think you brought up education at the beginning of the interview. I think having an educated public is probably the best defense against trafficking uh, that we have in our communities. So, being educated on the signs of human trafficking, being educated on what to look for, is really, really important. And you can find those signs on our website at the Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline.ca or uh, Canadian um, Centre to End Human Trafficking.ca.
0: We wondered about the kidnapping element. I mean, it was detailed in the movie Taken that Liam Neeson has made so famous over the years because of some of the lines he used in it. But in that case, his daughter was taken. She was kidnapped. Do you find that that also happens or is it more of a grooming and you owe me favors and now Mm -hmm. I got you?
2: Yeah, we so that's a Hollywood movie. There's no question about that. Um, And and Kids can be, in many cases, they are lured and groomed into the situation. And while it doesn't take that long for that to happen, and law enforcement have told us that it can take between 48 hours or two weeks. So 48 hours is absolutely no time at all. But we know how trusting young people are with adults. And especially when they're vulnerable and want to believe that what they're being promised is true, we know that they will leave with them, that they will um, believe what they say. And this happens at parties. This happens in restaurants and bars. This happens on the street. This happens being introduced by someone who you consider a friend to other friends that you don't know. And it is all too common. We have actually heard about peer-to-peer trafficking happening within schools. So that is almost like a, a friend who is trafficking other friends.
0: When you say schools, are you talking colleges, universities?
2: We're talking colleges and universities, and we're also talking high schools. We know that the, from law enforcement that the average age of, of people being trafficked is between 12 to 22. So police services have had victims as young as 12 years of age Twelve. in Canada it's horrific it's horrific and it should not happen
0: so barb you talk about signs how obvious are these signs once you know them
2: so that's really important knowing these signs talking about them around your kitchen table talking to your neighbors about this talking to your kids first and foremost or or your nieces and nephews, um, young people who who you have contact with about these signs are really important. So if you notice that someone is being controlled, that someone is speaking for them all the time, um, sometimes they're carrying new or expensive goods or cash, that really is beyond the financial means of that person, those should raise red flags. If there are some signs of abuse, malnourishment, maybe drug abuse, Um, If the person has little access to money, if little access to a phone, if their phone's been taken away, or their identification has been taken away, those are signs as well to be leery about. Or if they have a couple of cell phones, sometimes traffickers will give an individual an additional cell phone that's only to be used between them and the, the person that they are engaged with. And that keeps their communication separate and apart from anything that that young person may have their communications with their parents or anybody they know better. Um, Sometimes they have scripted answers to questions. Sometimes they're very evasive, or they have rehearsed answers to questions that a parent or somebody in authority may have. They may seem fearful or anxious. They may be disconnected from family or friends at certain times. You may not see them for certain periods of time, or they may be wearing clothing um, or having their nails done or hair done or things like that that just don't seem right for the personality of that person. Um, They may have a new friend group that's completely separate and apart from the the older group that they had, or they may have some sort of a new love interest who doesn't fit quite properly with the profile that they have in their day-to-day lives. If any of those signs are prevalent at all and something does not seem right, you should contact the Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline or police immediately.
0: We're talking with Barb Goss, CEO for the Canadian Centre to End Human Trafficking, and Barb just went over the signs. Now, if you notice something like that, you can you can reach out. You there are people to contact. At the same time, how challenging is it to say to the person, "Hey, Uh, what's happening in your life here, I I don't like it. How do you even approach that conversation so that they don't shut you out completely saying, I'm living my life, you don't know?
2: Mm. And and that is all part of the um, script that traffickers want the individual to say. It's all part of trying to keep this crime hidden from public view. But individuals as well, if they... If they feel things are not right, they also have the opportunity to call the 24-7 confidential hotline as well. And we will help them in a very confidential way. Um, so that's something the hotline can do, can do right away. But it's, it's, it means that if you if you cannot talk to the individual about it, if you feel like you might be putting that individual in some sort of a danger, you can report a tip to the hotline. You can report a tip to law enforcement as well. Um, We are confidential. We will walk you through the situation and do a a human trafficking assessment with the person who's calling to ensure that it is trafficking. And um, if it is trafficking and the individual is okay with us letting law enforcement know about the tip, we can certainly do that as well.
0: Barb, thank you so much for all your time and the information on all of this.
2: Thank you very much. Let me just say, if anyone has a tip or if anybody thinks they are a victim of human trafficking or knows somebody who is, they can call the Canadian Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-833-900-1010, 24-7. It's available in over 200 languages, and we will keep all calls confidential.
0: And we have that number in studio, so you can just call our studio line, and we'll make sure and get that to you.
2: Well, that's super. Thank you very much. Barb, thank you. Thank you. Take care.
0: You too. Barb Goss. CEO of the Canadian Centre to End Human Trafficking, And we'll take a break. News is on the way very soon. We'll let you know what else is still ahead on London Live. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Coming up after news, London Knights General Manager Mark Hunter will join us. We'll talk about a new logo for the Knights, some of the other things that are on the way. Roy O'Connor will join us, owner of Lynn's Bakery and Deli. And we're also going to find out about Green Roof's. All straight ahead. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. This hour, we are going to be talking about green roofs. Now, this is not a new kind of shingle. This is not saying, you know, tired of this brown roof right here. I'm thinking of spray painting it green that's not what this is and it's something that is being discussed by london city council well by at let's call it at city hall eventually by london city council and we'll talk more about what that is and the impact this can have because if you're looking to be environmental believe it or not a green roof can help Now, it's not a green roof on a house. It's more of a a green roof on industry. We'll get into that in about a half hour, 35 minutes from now. If you were the owner of a property in London and you heard that a strip club wanted to move in next door, what do you think you would do? This story actually began about a year ago, almost a year ago. You found it out. What, What would you do? Immediately, you'd think things like not in my backyard. No, 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 we're not having that. Take a look at all of the issues that we've had with not in my backyard over the years. This is just the latest. Well, we're going to speak with somebody in a little over 10 minutes who will tell us what he did in order to deal with this situation. And it has become a pretty amazing story. First up, we are getting very, very close to the start of training camp for the London Knights. Now, as much as that will signal the end of summer, it is coming. The Knights actually play their first preseason game on August 30th at Budweiser Gardens. Preseason, but they're still going to be playing in a game against the Sarnia Sting on August 30th. And right now it's August 12th. Yeah, summer is starting to disappear. You may be upset about that. It happens, right? Remember last year? It happened. Next year, if we're all fortunate enough to still be here, it's going to happen again. So, we have an opportunity to talk some London Knights right now because in advance of that preseason game, in advance of their training camp, came an announcement today from the London Knights. And that announcement was that the London Knights have unveiled a new team logo. And although we can't show you a picture right now, you can easily go to our website at 980CMPL.ca. You can go to my Twitter feed at Stubbs980, and the little Knights video that they put together has been retweeted there, so you can get a look. Or you can use your memory. If you've known about the London Knights for a few years, they've been wearing a gold Knights logo for a while. Last year... They had the team of the century named and it honored their Memorial Cup championship team. Well, the new logo, if we're to describe it for you, looks like the logo that they wore. So the Knights logo that has been gold up until today, I guess, has gone back to being white let's take an opportunity right now to talk about the change. Let's take an opportunity to talk about a few other things like Team Canada, at the World Juniors, and what the Knights will look like in 2019, 2020. The general manager of the London Knights, Mark Hunter, joins us right now on London Live. Mark, how are things going? Well,
3: you know what? We like the history of the 205 Club. We like the logo of the 205 Club. Now, it's not quite the same, but it's, Got some comparisons, and uh, you know what? And the team of the century, so we want to honor them, and you know what? And we really like the, the colors we put a part of it, and uh, so it's a uh we're pretty
0: happy about it. All right. Well, we'll get to see the entire uniform in a week, so we'll wait for that. We're almost up to the point where we're going to get to see the London Knights on the ice. You've been able to add a few players over the summer. If you look at the roster, what are you seeing? What, what kind of a team do you expect to have?
3: Uh, I think we're going to have a good team. We've got some young D this year, Mike, that we've got to work with. The goal tennis should be solid. Um, but I'm excited about the whole group.
0: When you look at kind of rebuilding a defense corps that had a lot of veterans on it, how did you go about putting kind of new pieces in there and deciding which pieces you were going to put in there?
3: Well, we added Hunter Skinner, who's kind of not a young guy. I mean, he's been drafted already in the fourth round, so we figured he can come in and play in a, in a, in a higher position right away. And then, of course, we got the Rogers kid, who's a— who's a younger kid, and, and you know, of course, we got Joey Keane coming back, or not Jared, uh, Jared Keane coming back. So he, he'll he'll help out. He's got a year under his belt, but they're still 17-year-old defensemen, and you know, with that, you need a little bit of time and a little bit of patience.
0: We're talking with Knights General Manager Mark Hunter. The Knights announcing today they have unveiled a new logo, and they've showed that much off, so it it goes back to 2005 to the Knights' first Memorial Cup championship team. The rest of the look becomes available in another week, and then we're looking at basically another week after that, Mark, and you guys are on the ice.
3: Yes, we are, Mike. We're, we're going to be ready to go here, and you know what? Uh, we're kind of doing it a little bit different here this year, just to give everybody kind of a. We have our our we have some games on Monday, games on Tuesday, and then we have a morning uh, game on Monday, Monday m- or Wednesday morning, and then we're going to have a, a Golden White game on at six o'clock on Wednesday night, for when we get our team cut down and uh, getting some. Hopefully, we get more fans to come and watch and and enjoy our game. Enjoy. Uh, some of our new players
0: it's pretty tremendous to see i mean we can go back through the pictures the number of fans who show up to watch training camp and you look at the way that nfl teams do it they've they've usually got those end scrimmages or college football teams will do that and and you get all kinds of people coming to watch them
3: 100 percent. and you know what that's what uh you know what we want to give our fans a chance to come see and this, this year we have fans that uh you know are working and this year that on wednesday uh of that week it'll be at six o'clock a game and so they can come right from work come and watch uh and there's no charge nothing and come in and watch the game and see what we have out there and and actually criticize the hunters for uh not drafting well (laughs) 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 Uh,
0: you don't get criticism do you uh, we all get crazy. That's part of the business. <laughs> Mark, you're doing double duty again this year. You've done this before, but this is a little bit different. With Hockey Canada and the London Knights, I can't even imagine how many miles you put on your vehicle with with two different teams to look out for now. But you've done this before. You've gone through the summer showcase. First off, what was Plymouth, Michigan like?
3: It was it was good. It was interesting. We've got a good feel of the kids, of the players, and you know, we've got all the players across the CHL uh um, west to Quebec to Ontario, so we got a good view of them. We have two injuries we had about eight or nine that didn't play from injuries and so forth so it was it was good that uh, good time spent uh, to get to know the young men and uh, and you know who was good enough to play and and who wasn't and who, where we got to go watch and what we got to get better as a hockey club so there's lots of good things that came out of there and it was uh, it was real good experience for Dale and myself.
0: How much are you looking at, at who's going to be on the team at this point? Is that kind of always in flux, or is it more just about evaluating all kinds of guys?
3: It's just evaluating all kinds of guys, uh, Mike, to see where everybody fits, what role they you, you see them as, and then follow up and seeing where they go during the season. And of course, you got the games uh, playing in uh, uh, Kitchener and London here, and of course, out west and. Quebec so that'll be another chance for us to see the young men but that's a real good chance to get to know them. Get Dale gives him a chance to get his systems in place and see who can adapt to systems and you know what line they can play on with players to play with and so on
0: there's the other part of it you're now working with Dale in doing this it's something you two have done for years and we started off talking about the logo and the idea that you created that first memorial cup championship team with meetings between the two of you okay how do we do this what what way do we go what's it like to be doing that and talking about hockey canada
3: <laughs> you know what you know mike dale myself and that's what we do we love hockey and we love being a part of uh, a good challenge like this and and working with tom Rennie and the hockey canada guys it's been a been good, and uh, so you know what? It's been enjoyable, and it just gives us more to talk about and more players we reached out and hope to be a part of. But uh, a little bit of a part of
0: Dave Gagne used to say that you guys were 99% farm or 99% hockey when you talked 1% farming. Is it now maybe 99.5% hockey? You've got to fit in <laughs> a little more. Went, <laughs>
3: yeah, it might went up a little bit higher to 99.5 because <laughs> that's where I think a lot of people are surprised. Uh, You know, we all want to spend time, and we believe we spend time with these young men and, and trying to work our hockey club or Hockey Canada. Of course, we want the end result. We want to win.
0: Well, Mark, it'll be fun to watch from both perspectives. The London Knights will be wearing a new uniform. Again, we get a chance to see that in a week. And then training camp begins the week after that. And then we'll be into the preseason, the regular season. Before you know, those CIBC games will be here. Mark, thanks so much for the time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you. Talk to you later. Mark Hunter, General Manager of the London Knights. So, Knights have a new logo, new uniform design will be unveiled in a week, and then, yeah, it's if that's the end of summer. doesn't have to be. We're still going to get nice weather into September, right? Please welcome to London Live the chair of Knight Nation, Walter Noah Brannick. Walt, how are things?
4: Very good, Mike. How are you, brother?
0: Not too bad.
4: What can you say? I'll make a prediction. We're going to be close again this year.
0: Okay, that's a uh, good can, prediction.
4: How, how can we not with the best people in junior hockey? There you we go. Still, we still have them. I mean, there's nobody's going to be any better developing young players. And I'm going to predict we're going to win the gold this year with Mark Okay, but, You know, give them the opportunity to pick the teams. I talked to Dale earlier in the summer this year, and he was telling me, like, I was talking about the three leagues, and is there any politics in picking hockey players? Really not. But he says the Western Hockey League is going to be the – a big league this year for hmm. you know, Interesting. That, yeah it is interesting sort of thing and uh, having that opportunity in Plymouth and that watching some of the kids sing uh, Liam playing out there and uh, the boys and Gruden out there he's a future knight as well from what I understand he played for the U- US
0: team they today, could uh, stick him in the American League but if they don't he'll be playing here in London
4: is that right that's yeah. unfortunate but you know what why wouldn't you come here Mike like you and I know, uh, how much better does it get for junior
0: hockey players and their families? Well, Walt, I love the predictions that you make. You have to realize when Walt makes predictions, they usually either come close to coming true or they come true. So you've made two very good ones. All the best. All right, we'll talk soon.
4: You understand, and I hope hope to see you maybe next week sometime when during training camp. Sounds good. Take care, bud. Bye-bye.
0: Chair of Night Nation, Walter Noah Brannock. We'll take a break. Next, what would you do if you owned a business And you found out that a strip club was going to move in basically next door. We're going to find that out. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Chances are, if you live in London, you know where Lynn's Bakery and Deli is. You go out on Dundas, right near the Cops Build All, right before you get to Veterans Memorial Parkway if you're going east. So I guess that would make it just west of Veterans Memorial Parkway on Dundas, right near Bonaventure. You picturing it now? It's a great place. Well, something interesting is happening. And this has kind of been happening for a little while. And the best way we can explain it is to get somebody to help us with it who has been instrumental in this entire story. Joining us right now is the owner of Lynn's Bakery and Deli, Roy O'Connor. Roy, welcome to London Live. How are you?
5: Wonderful. How are you
0: doing? Not bad. Let's talk a little bit about a strip club your bakery and deli the location of it and kind of how the two were becoming intertwined what almost a year ago now that's right so what what did you find out
5: well what did we find out uh <clears throat> we really found out nothing but we had the opportunity the uh the uh the plaza came up for sale last November uh there was no tenants in it at that point and uh You know, I had an opportunity. The owner gave me a call from Toronto and asked me if I wanted to buy it. And you know, we jumped on it. I I wanted to have a little bit of control what happened here in the east end of London, and you know, put some more neighborhood-friendly businesses into play here. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's we've got two of the uh, locations already leased out, and you know, we got a lot of attention on the third one. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But it'll it'll be quite a quite a departure from what we had here before.
0: Okay. Now, what we know is that there was a, a unit nearby, or, or would it be in the plaza, that you have your bakery in, in? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And it was it was the, uh, the home of what is now the, the former famous Flesh Gordons. There was talk that there would be maybe another adult live entertainment business making use of that license. Were they thinking about, as far as you know, putting it in the same location?
5: well we've been here since nineteen eighty. This business has been operating consistently since uh, September of nineteen eighty so we were at the we're in the biggest unit at the very end of the plaza uh What had happened was uh uh the previous adult adult entertainment uh business had closed down and i, I believe you're right there was uh, there was another entity looking to open up something similar but uh that never came came to be and uh like i say the opportunity to buy the plaza came up and uh, i jumped on it
0: so how much did maybe the idea that someone might look to make use of that license might look to open another adult entertainment business right near you how much did that factor into you saying wait a minute i have the opportunity to take total control of this i'm gonna jump on it well yeah
5: quite a quite a quite a big deal uh you know, it it was important to me. My I've been here for quite a while now. We are, the business is almost 40 years old. It'll be 40 years old next year. Uh, my son's going to uh, to succeed me in this business, so uh, he he wants a great uh, location to operate out of, and uh, you know this is one of the ways that I I could change that. So uh, that was that was one of the biggest factors, and and of course my my neighbors who've supported me in East London for all these years.
0: We're talking with Roy O'Connor. Roy is the owner of Lynn's Bakery and Delhi and now the owner of, of the entire plaza. So <laughs> how does that change your day to day operations?
5: Well, not much at this point. You know, uh it's an exciting time right now. We're looking at new tenants. Like I said, we have we have two uh two people that's coming in here already. Uh we have Ford's Chocolate Lounge that's coming in next to us and as well as we have a uh, company called Throw, which is uh an organized uh you know axe throwing, knife throwing. Uh, it'll be licensed in there as well. Uh, I don't want to compare it to bowling, but it, it's kind of structured the same. They have leagues, and it, it's going to be a
0: fun, fun place to have us next next door to us. And then, how many other units are there that you're still looking to fill?
5: Well, we have one large unit, or possibly one still large unit, and a small unit. So we could have, you know, two more neighbors on top of that.
0: Did you ever fancy yourself being a landlord? Well, it's always been a thought, but you know, it,
5: it's 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 never. I've never had the opportunity to uh, to make this step. So, uh, you know, luckily, uh, it came at a time when we we're able to do it, and uh, you know, things are looking looking great in the future for us here.
0: And having that control, you you mentioned your son wanting to have, you know. A- the area that that you would want to have your bakery and deli in. Take us through what it's like to know. Hey, these are the tenants that you can have, and and you're able to have a say now or complete control now over the tenants that are in that building.
5: Well, yes, it it, it you know it enables us to keep something positive in the neighborhood all the time. You know, and then that's all I really want. I want something positive for our, our neighbors. I want something positive for the bakery, and I want I want something that the uh, our, our our clientele will will embrace. So uh, hopefully we'll keep going down that road and uh, and and meet those meet those demands. I guess
0: Roy, what kind of reaction have you had from people who know what you are doing and and what you were able to do?
5: Well, nothing but extremely positive uh, reaction. You know, people are thrilled to death in this neighborhood that you know we won't have that environment here anymore. And uh, you know, it, it, hopefully we'll we'll just getting get businesses in here that's 100% wholesome for the the environment, or for the neighborhood, I should say.
0: Roy, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Okay, thank you very much. Keep doing what you're doing, all right? You make great lunches and great treats. Okay, thank you very much, Mike. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Roy O'Connor, owner of Lynn's Bakery and Deli. So it's in the plaza where the former famous Flesh Gordon's was, and there was some talk that maybe there'd be a new adult entertainment business going into that same spot, and that gave Roy an opportunity to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, can we look into this? And then the opportunity came up to actually buy the entire plaza. He was able to make that happen, and now he's got control over that. Now it'll be interesting to see what the city does in this, because you know what the city's been trying to do with adult entertainment licenses. You know What did we used to have? Six? Then it became five. Now, I don't know what we're down to. Would it be three? So will they be able to take away that license? That'll be the next part of this story. News is coming up next, filled with stories. And then we're still going to talk green roofs, and we're going to give you an opportunity to win tickets to go and see Greece at the Huron Country Playhouse. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFBL. Here is an opportunity for you to do some winning ahead of learning about green roofs. Green roofs? No one has a green roof. Subdivisions won't allow it. Brown, tan, maybe a reddish tinge, black roof. That's it. That's all you can have. Those are your choices. Metal roof. No, this is different. This, and we'll endeavor to learn a little bit more about a green roof, but... This is different in the way that it has an effect on the environment, an effect on the temperature of the city. Could you imagine if we could lower the temperature in downtown? You know, today's a fairly humid day, it's warm, and if you are downtown, what is it? It's hotter than it is outside of the city limits, for sure, guaranteed, just because you've got a lot of pavement that's where green roofs start to make a difference. So we'll get more details on that in just a little bit, about 10 minutes from right now. We have an opportunity for you to do some winning right now until August the 31st. So there's still a lot of days left. Greece has come to the Huron Country Playhouse, and we happen to have... Two tickets for you to go and see Greece at the Huron Country Playhouse. All you have to do is answer a skill-testing question. Now, we're not going to allow or ask you to sing. In fact, we're not going to allow you to sing. Uh, I'm not being allowed to sing. No one's going to be singing. There's no chills that are losing control or whatever that is. But in the movie Greece, John Travolta played Danny Zuko, right? And he sang the... Chills, electrifying, I don't know the song. Uh, But you might. And if you're a Grease fan, you certainly will. He sang it with Olivia Newton-John. Remember all this? Well, here's what we need you to do. If you can name us one other role in John Travolta's life, doesn't matter what one it is, TV, movies, you just tell us one other part other than Danny Zuko, that John Travolta played, you are off to see Greece at the Huron Country Playhouse. Phone lines are open 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. Simply name another role that John Travolta played at any time in his life. Could even be, I don't know, does he have movies coming out? We'll do the fact-checking on this, but as long as you get a role that John Travolta played, Remember? Glass of beer? Huh? Royale with cheese? Am I giving too much away? 519 643 2222. That's 519 643 2222. Coming up later on this week, probably tomorrow, I'll we'll have a conversation with a former Maple Leaf, a former London Knight, a Londoner, Nazim Kadri. He had his charity golf tournament last week and had a chance to sit down with Nazem Kadri and talk a little bit about his move to Colorado leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs and kind of leaving this area. So that's coming up tomorrow on London Live. And I also want to update a story that you may have already heard because this this is good to know. This this is one of those nice stories. Remember the dog that was dog napped in Toronto? The dog has been returned to its owner and it seems that the dog was dognapped by a man with no fixed address is that unfortunate kind of situation where this yes has happened i don't know how you prevent it from happening in the future the toronto humane society has reported that milo who was a 10 month old basically a puppy was returned to the agency it had been stolen from the shelter And that a man has now been arrested and this man actually had come into the Humane Society a couple of times and was saying that he deserved to have a dog for free and they were having some issues with this guy. So that's the guy that is being investigated right now. I don't don't know how you stop that. I don't know how how you prevent that from happening in the future. Something else we're going to get into on the show tomorrow. We won't have time for it today, but I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on it. Do you share anything with anyone so in other words do you share uh, a cottage or do you share in this case a set of tickets if you do then have you ever run into any issues on this because there was a pair of season tickets to the Montreal Canadiens that became a very big issue. See, I always wonder about this when young couples get together and and they're together and they're living together and they think they're going to be together forever and they get a dog. I often wonder about that dog because what if you guys break up? Who gets the dog? How do you work that out? Do you have to establish like a joint custody kind of thing? The dog would just get confused. What if one has a better backyard the dog would always want to go to the house with the better backyard. So we'll discuss that, the joint ownership of things and some of the pitfalls that come along with it. We'll return in a moment with our winner and green roofs. Coming to London? Maybe. And what would they do for the city? We'll try and find out. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. The city of Toronto has a green roof bylaw. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about some green in the city of Toronto in that they had a bylaw that indicated how much natural grass, natural turf, you had to have around your property. And someone was found to be in violation of that bylaw because they had gotten rid of their lawn and had brought in essentially astroturf, which when you looked at a picture, you went, wow, that's a green lawn. That looks really nice. But in actuality, it was just plastic. But that's how far we've come. If you walk around the field at TD Stadium, other than getting little fibers and little pieces of rubber stuck to your socks, it looks very green. And let's face it, from a distance, it looks pretty natural. You can't tell that that's not grass because it it kind of has different waves to it depending on which way the turf is lying and and the kind of field turf that exists at TD Stadium. So in Toronto, they have a rule saying you have to have a certain amount of natural turf. We don't necessarily have that rule. And right now, you can go out and replace your lawn. And, and we talk to people who have done that very thing. And there's nothing that prohibits you from doing it. In fact, there's a part of the bylaw that eh, you can read into it, let's say. But it gives you at least some flexibility. So we're going to move from there to talk about green roofs. In Toronto, there is a green roof bylaw. And essentially, it spells out how much floor area you can have. And this this is going to sound a little confusing. But floor area you can have on your roof for actual green. So plants, actual grass, things like that. And they've got a whole list of requirements and construction standards. The question becomes, why is it that someone wants a green roof? Green roof is also called an eco-roof. And they essentially have a, a growing medium, some sort of vegetation, so plants, and they're put on a traditional roof. Now... We have to think of this differently. This is not turning the sloped roof of your house into something like that. This becomes a a little bit different in that maybe you're looking more at at flat roofs. So you're looking at either industry, you are looking at apartments and condos. And the idea is there are environmental benefits. You can reduce stormwater runoff because the plants suck it up. You get energy use out of it. And there's something called the Heat Island Effect. And this is something that is being looked at now in London, Ontario. And joining us right now is the manager of long-range planning and research for the City of London, Greg Barrett. Greg, thanks for sneaking us into what is a very busy schedule today.
6: No problem, Mike. Good to speak with you.
0: Let's talk a little bit about what is happening at City Hall with respect to green roofs. We kind of spelled out what they are. We haven't spelled out any of the the real big details other than, you know, you reduce stormwater runoff. You can have some energy use. There's the heat island effect, which we haven't touched on yet. But what's the City of London looking at?
6: Well, the the reason why it's uh, sort of come to the fore today is we've just got a very quick report on uh, committee this evening. And it was in response to a uh, councillor's uh, request that we look at – and this is getting pretty technical – looking at how we might uh, encourage the provision of green roofs by having them count as part of your landscaped open space. So in zoning, we have a lot of regulations that go with the different zones or the different uh, things that you can do on, on a lot. And one of the regulations in, in a lot of our zones talks about landscaped open space. And traditionally, that is uh, uh, the portion of your of a lot that would have to be set aside as landscape space normally to serve as an amenity for the use or the users of, of that property. And one of the counselors asked us to look at uh, the possibility of uh, having a green roof count towards that. And this report just... As, well, it's something we're going to look at through our zoning project, but some of the things that you've already talked about, which are some of the other advantages of green roofs, it might not necessarily be that they provide for usable open space for the public, so maybe that's not the best way to measure them, but they have other measures uh, all around the kinds of things that you talked about in uh, reducing the amount of um, uh... rainfall that would end up in the stormwater management system because it gets absorbed by the roof uh... reducing the urban uh, heat island effect and um And and a lot of people actually like the look of them, so there's some visual value to them as well. So uh, all this report is saying is that we're going to be looking at these green roofs, not only through our upcoming zoning project, but as part of the whole Green City strategy. What should the City of London be doing? What should we as Londoners be doing uh, to reduce environmental impacts and reduce our ecological footprint? Green roofs are seen as something that can sort of just one piece of helping us do that.
0: Greg Bear joining us, manager of long-range planning and research for the City of London. So we're not necessarily talking about people who live in a subdivision and have a nice sloped roof. They're not being asked to throw up pelts of sod on the roof. Would this be more of on buildings downtown? Would that, would that be kind of the idea?
6: Well, it can be both, right? I mean, you can do green roofs um, on commercial development or on office-type development in a downtown, but there are people who could have portions uh even of residential areas as a green roof but this isn't something that we would mandate it's something that we would put incentives in place as to how could we encourage people to do these kinds of things uh but certainly even taking the notion of a green roof and instead of having um a lot of hard surface in your backyard the opportunities to have gardens and grass as opposed to putting everything in hard surface all those kinds of things help reduce urban heat they provide better uh, rainfall and water storage and they create a a cooler local environment. So they're the kinds of things that you use to sort of counteract uh, changing climate and and, and, uh, urban heat.
0: Okay, so at committees tonight it'll be more of a more of a technical side of things. This is not hey, do we want green roofs or don't we? This is the technical side of of how would it work. This right. And
6: this is what are some of the places where we could look at at trying to encourage these kinds of things and on the regulatory side, how might you do it in regulation and like I said what our suggestion and this was uh, you probably don't include the landscaped open space, but it's certainly something that we could count as part of your impervious cover. So in other words, if you've got a green roof, that's going to count as, uh, it won't be counted as towards your coverage on the lot, because in fact your green roof is providing some of that same function of, as having the green space.
0: Gotcha. Greg, thanks so much for outlining this for us. Does your job get things like this all the time where people have new ideas and, boom, it lands on your desk and you think, okay, this, uh, this looks good or this looks like uh, we're living in 2035?
6: No, it, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of both. I mean, part of what our mandate is now in in the group that I'm with, which is long-range planning sustainability, is looking at a green city strategy for the city. So what are the kinds of things that we as a city can do and what are the kinds of things that we as Londoners can do to minimize our our ecological impact and and help be better for the environment? And then there's the whole notion of resiliency, which is what are we going to do to deal with things that might arise from climate change?
0: Gotcha. Well, keep up the great work, Greg. Thanks for the time today. No problem, Mike. Good to speak with you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Greg Barrett. Manager of long-range planning and research for the city. So, looking at ways to make the city, and this is not eco-friendly. This is not go out and hug a tree. That's not what this is. This is looking at, okay, how does the city operate? So, again, to highlight one of the things that comes into play, the heat island effect. You want to go to a hot place? Go to a desert. You want to go to a hot place? Where else can you go? How about downtown of a major city? So much pavement, so much concrete, so much reflection of the sun's rays, so little in the way of things to absorb heat. And so with that, you have higher temperatures... And that's not helping out anything, so wait a minute. what if we could do some things that would reduce the temperature? Oh you mean like jack up the air conditioning no no that's that's not what it. But if I have my air conditioner on and I open the window i'll just i'll I'll flood the outside with air conditioning. It'll be cooler no, that's not it. What if you could put green type things so plants or you know, somebody's going to come up with some some wild ideas on this. But right now, let's call it vegetation. You put that on the roof and you allow for a number of different things. Plus, it will kind of limits the amount of stormwater that is landing on a roof and then simply being guided down into eavesdropping or other systems that take it down into the stormwater system. And that's never a bad thing either. I, this is neat. So this is something to pay attention to. Again, it's at a very technical standpoint as far as City Hall business goes, but this is just one of those things that they're going to be discussing tonight. We'll take a break and close out the show in a moment. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We have had some very good Canadian tennis players, and I still have to do something that we promised John we would do. Maybe we can get it done this week. That is, get somebody on to explain tennis scoring. I could run through the basics, but it would be better to get somebody who, who could just go through tennis scoring. You know, it's it's one of those things that a comedian could take and do a Robin Williams on golf type setup. Yeah, okay, we, we got this sport, and we bang a little yellow ball back and forth across a net, and we got some lines... Okay, so we need some scoring then. Yeah, yeah, we do. Okay, well, how about if, like in ping pong, I knock the ball over the net, and if it gets by you and across the line, then I get a point. Yeah, we could do that. Or, or you could get 15 points. Oh, okay. Sure, 15 points. And then if you do it again, you could get another 15 points. Oh. And then if I do it again, another 15? No. Just 10. 10. Yes. So you would be up 40 to nothing. But we won't call it nothing. We'll call it love. Why, why would we do that? Because we're making the rules. And then if we're tied 40-40, we'll go to something called deuce. Oh, do I get another 15 points then? No. You get advantage. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Could you, could you write this down and maybe send it to me in an email and I'll, uh, I'll take it to my people and uh, we'll go over it. I don't know where any of this came from. What I do know is that we need to congratulate Bianca Andreescu. For many, many months, people spent most of their time trying to figure out how to pronounce her name. Now she is a Rogers Cup winner She is one of the best stories on tour, and I can't wait to see what she does next. News is coming up next here. Thanks to Matt McInnes for all his help. London Live brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 684 Warncliffe Road South. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.